Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. Eating disorders continue to be on the rise here. The latest annual report from Bodywise, the Eating Disorder Association of Ireland, found that calls to their helpline had jumped by almost 10% on the year before. We also heard recently how the number of adults admitted to hospital for eating disorders is the highest in a decade, with the number of first-time hospital admissions being the highest on record. So why are we seeing such a rise in numbers? And is enough being done to tackle eating disorders in this country. Well, I'm joined on the line now uh, by Jess. Good afternoon to you, Jess. Hi, how are you? I, I, I'm very good. How are you? And uh, thank you for, for doing this today. Can you tell us your story, Jess? Yeah, um, so I was diagnosed with anorexia about eight years ago now, but um, it's something I've struggled with on and off through my teens. It was just there in my 20s that I sought help and was eventually diagnosed with the, the eating disorder. But it was Since long there before long, you were actually yeah, diagnosed. It would have been, yeah, it was kind of something I struggled with on and off when I started into college and then a bit towards the end of secondary school. But I suppose it wasn't something that I was fully aware of until my friends and my family started pointing it out to me that they thought something was going on. So I approached my GP. And uh, forgive me for, for saying this, because I think there's a huge lack of understanding around eating disorders, because people who many don't understand think that it's an easy fix, surely, that it's just a case yeah, of yeah. eating regularly and and not restricting. But it's far more complicated than that. Oh, way more complicated. And I think myself, I kind of thought once I started going into treatments and stuff, that would be me like cured. Mm. But I'm here eight years later, still availing of services. And I recently had relapsed. So I went into hospital. I was inpatient in John of God. That was my second time in there. So I'm, I'm only about five months home from that. So mm. I would have been quite similar. You know, like it's just it's an ongoing battle. You know, it's something you have to be aware of every day. You know, constantly choosing to make the right decisions for yourself do you know follow the meal plan do what you're supposed to do do you know so it, it's it's all the time all the time yeah just it kind of never switches off I think at the moment it's a bit quieter than like it normally would be do you know it's not as loud as in my head but I know like last year before I went into hospital it was you know it was quite debilitating I had to leave work and everything before I went into hospital so it really impacted on my life so from, from your experience, Jess, do you think enough is being done to tackle eating disorders in Ireland? No, I don't think so. I, I think I think there's supposed to be like an, a rollout of like hubs and stuff across the country. And that was supposed to be a five year plan, but there's been no sign of that. And I know my my services themselves, I should realistically have a dietitian that I see and there's no dietitian there available. They haven't been able to fill the role and I actually don't think it's advertised at the moment. So there, there's not enough there. Like there's, there's a bit and they're doing the best they can with what they have. But I just, I don't think it's enough. Mm. And do you think things like social media um, contribute to this problem? Um, I think it depends on your vulnerabilities. I know for me, I'm not like on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. I'm just TikTok and Twitter type of thing. I try to limit and I'm quite restricted. I'm not, I allow myself to view, but I just, I think it depends on your own vulnerabilities. 
I know for me, it wouldn't contribute a lot. I just, I compare myself to myself. So it was hurtful for me to be going back on Facebook and Instagram, looking at pictures of myself when I was unwell, that type of thing. And, and can you tell me, um, if, if you if you want to know, when, when did you yourself realise that this was a problem or was it, you've mentioned your family started to see it. So did they notice it was a problem before you had? Uh, they they noticed it was a problem. And then I, I went to my GP and I was like, look, I think maybe they're kind of right. I am struggling with my meals and stuff and then I kind of went to services and I thought you know I was kind of moseying along I was like oh I'm fine I'm engaging in treatment and then when I was 25 so about five years ago I found out I had osteoporosis as a result of the anorexia and that was something I wasn't aware of could be like a long-term implication of having the illness so that kind of threw my eyes open to what I was doing to my body I guess. Okay and that I suppose that that is a, a, a common problem with eating disorders. Um, can you hang on there, Jess? I'm going to bring in uh, Michal. Uh, Michal, you're in London at the moment. Hi, Maureen, yeah. Good afternoon to you. But you're originally from Kerry. I'm, yeah, I'm from Kerry. Um, um, I've been living in London for about five years. Okay, so, so what has your experience been? Um, yeah, so I um, have been, I was diagnosed with um, atypical anorexia in October of 2020. Um, so about three years ago and like Jess, um, I had been, um, kind of going, exhibiting signs of an eating disorder since about 2018. Um, and it wasn't until lockdown happened that I kind of went off the rails a bit and that was when it become a, it became a major issue and it actually wasn't, I suppose my story differs a bit here in that, I actually started to get suicidal thoughts and sort of depressive episodes. And that's what drove me to get help. It wasn't the, and then it wasn't the eating disorder side of things. And then it kind of alongside the depression, I was diagnosed with the eating disorder because I just hadn't admitted it to myself. Family members had mentioned it to me um, that I should seek help for this, but I was just, it, it, it was the only thing I had that I could use to cope with obviously the craziness of um, lockdown. So I just couldn't admit to myself that it was an issue because I needed it to feel in control of life. And I suppose that is the very tricky thing with eating disorders because people around you who love you, like your family had noticed it and Jess is too, mm-hmm. but nobody can force you to to seek help when they des- they knew you desperately needed help, but they had to wait for you to do that. Yeah, this is it. And this is where it gets so complicated because you do need to want to get the help or at least see, see be motivated or at least see that there's an issue that you need help with in order to stick to stick it out because it is it is a long term process like again like Jess I'm so, I mean I'm still dealing with with it now I have therapy every two weeks to deal with it there are days when um I just can't like I will fall into those damaging patterns of I overexercise alongside my eating. So it's like every single thing I eat has to be accounted for in exercise. Um, and that becomes very tricky when when things get tough, like when life in general gets stressful. Can I ask yourself and I guess this as well, is, is the wellness culture, you know, you've just mentioned there overexercising me, Hall. We see a mm. lot of wellness in eating well and eating clean and 
getting exercise, is, is that contributing to, to the rise in eating disorders? I think so. Um, there's a massive, a lot of my friends from, um, I, I've become a lot, I've become friends with a lot of trainers and fitness influencers just because of my, of how much I spent in the gym, basically. Right. And um, there is, there is a massive culture of that. And it's like the whole thing around clean eating, that immediately infers that there is a way to be unclean eating, so to speak. Mm. And you have like all these trends around, you know, fasting. And one thing that was a major issue for me was fasting because it starts out as like a healthy type of thing. You know, you eat for, you don't eat for eight hours and then you eat, you, you spread your meals over the rest of the, whatever's left in day, 16 hours. And then, then the next day it becomes, okay, I'll fast for nine hours. Then you fast for 10 hours. And it just be, it's it sort of, before you know it, you're stuck in this really damaging cycle that you can't break. And you've, it's become such a massive part of your identity and how you cope with the other stressors of life that you just feel trapped in this circle, this spiral of this vicious circle, basically. Mm. I, I, that's how I feel anyway. And Jess, what would you think about that? Do you think the wellness culture um, is contributing to the to the rise in eating disorders? I think it definitely doesn't help. I think if you're vulnerable, especially, say, for myself, who's in recovery, if I'm on TikTok or, you know, like something like that, and I see a lot of clean eating videos or you know, especially those what I eat in a day, I find those very triggering. Like, they're nothing that I could sit down and healthily watch. And I think by comparing what each other is eating, there's there's a lot of tox- like toxicity in it. And, you know, diet culture doesn't help, you know, like, it around doesn't. your friends. They're like, oh, I shouldn't be eating that. I shouldn't be eating this. Especially as someone who's trying to recover in this, you know, environment of diet culture, it's, it's very tricky. So I, I think it's just trying to strike the balance. Yeah, and, and and diets we see are talked a lot about and weight loss at certain times of the year, January, you know, get fit, get healthy, get beach bodies. That is all, yeah. that's shoved in all of our faces, you know, multiple times throughout the year. It must be very difficult with those there too. Yeah, I, I know for myself and I, I say like, um, I call myself probably feels the same, but you know, when you're in treatment and you're trying to do the right thing, then you're seeing everyone else and you're like, oh, like, why can't I do that? Like, why can't I go for a run every day or go to the gym? You know, you're comparing yourself, but that's just not compatible with, I know for myself, for my recovery. So I just, I, I have to be cautious about what I do. But it's, yeah, those things definitely don't help. Okay. Um, uh, Lisa is on the line as well. Good afternoon, Lisa. Hi, how are you? And you're in Dublin? I am, yeah. Um, Lisa, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think enough is being done to help people with eating disorders? No, um, is the short answer, definitely not. Um, you know, I think your first speaker there said, you know, there's been a, a lot of plans the last few years, a lot of, you know, promises made. Um, and like this time, two years ago, I had to crowdfund for treatment because I just couldn't get the the kind of care that health care that I needed through the public sector um, and I wasn't covered under private health insurance. So and at that time, I remember kind of hearing an awful lot about, well, by kind of 2023, 2024, there will be X amount of hubs and this amount of funding increased and all that kind of stuff. But actually nothing at all has changed. And that's two years ago now. 
Okay. Um, and if anything, the situation is getting worse given the amount of people that are like their illnesses are progressing or the, the amount of new people that are developing eating disorders and being hospitalised. And it's it, it, back to you, Hall, as well. It seems to be on the rise with men. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I, it's slowly, um, I think the figure here in the UK is that about 25%, so a quarter of eating disorder sufferers are men. And that's in terms of eating disorders that are eating disorder sufferers that have been reported. Um, and it is, yeah, it's becoming a massive issue, I think, in men as well. And it's just, it's one of those things where we've normalized so many behaviors of um, th- that are actually trigger are, um, symptoms of eating disorders. And um, like one thing as well is that for men with eating disorders, it's usually not as obvious as it would be with, with a woman because um, you know, we we have, as a society, have like a typical image of what an eating disorder looks like. Mm. And it's not, I would say in my case, I was a fit man going to the gym every day, like running for kilometers, cycling for kilometers. And, it, you know, it was just sort of, oh, he's so disciplined. Look at him. He looks great. Blah, 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 blah. So Whereas, that would have been, people um, would have almost envied your discipline, envied your fitness level. Totally. Envied how well you ate because it was, you know, we, um, quotes here, clean. So people yeah. would have almost under- envied your position on the outside. Yeah, exactly. But underneath it all, like, it just it's just absolute misery like there's no other way of putting it and it consumes your entire life it eventually came to just consume my entire life mm. and that's becoming the case with a lot of men um and like that we just don't know how to spot it um as a society i just think i think to be honest i think it starts with just educate like we need to be educated more about this sort of stuff in in schools as well like um the other speakers were mentioning about the hubs. I think there should be more done to educate, especially in secondary schools, about eating disorders. I don't know about um, Jess or Lisa, but I heard nothing about eating. When I was in school, I was never given any sort of a talk on an eating disorder or anything like that. I think a little bit is being done around that. Uh, Bodywise there, bodywise, W-H-Y-S dot I-E. I'll just give their helpline number um, in case anybody listening um, needs it. 0121079906. And they they have actually uh, delivered some programmes. Uh, they've uh, Happy To Be Me programme was delivered to over 5,000 primary school children. That was in 2022. And the Body Wise More Than a Selfie programme was delivered to almost 78,000 students. So that might have taken in some college students. Um, Lisa, can I come back to you? It's something Hall has touched on there saying people don't know what to look for. So in case anyone's listening and they're concerned about someone in their life or maybe their own behaviour, what should they be looking for? Um, I think, you know, Michal mentioned there, there's kind of a typical understanding of eating disorders. Um, One being someone who's purging or like forcing themselves to be sick and the other is someone who's extremely thin. Um, for me, I had an eating disorder long before I started purging um, and losing weight in the way that I did. Um, that started at 19, but actually 
when I think back to even childhood, I would have periods where I would restrict or starve myself and then periods where I'd be hiding food. Like as a child, I used to hide food and hoard food. As young as, as young as what? What age would, would that have started? Um, oh, like I remember being at birthday parties as kind of a, you know, kind of six, seven, eight, nine year old. And I would never actually be in the party. I would always be over at the food table, like trying to get sweets into my pocket as much as I could so that I could hide them from everybody else. Okay. Um, it's things like that. that, uh, And even on, when I was, you know, 14, 15 and I was starving myself for a couple of days at a time and then I would be eating literally everything in the house. I I didn't even recognize that as that there was something wrong at all. The first time I thought, okay, I have a problem here is actually when I first started making myself sick at 19. That only then did I think, okay, this is actually this is this is a major issue here. Mm-hmm. But I I didn't even recognize the signs before that. So it tends to I think both of your other speakers touched on it as well. It it never just starts with um, one thing. Yeah, and it, it doesn't start very serious. You know, it doesn't. Someone doesn't just wake up one day and decide, okay, I'm actually going to binge and purge, or I'm not going to eat for a whole month. You know, it doesn't ever start at that level of seriousness. It all it, it creeps is is the way they I would kind of think of it. Okay. It starts small with a little obsession about maybe losing weight or getting fit, and it's your thoughts become more and more extreme until you're actually doing behaviours that that are very dangerous. Yeah, then. very but dangerous it, and it very damaging. Very damaging. Um, Owen uh, joins me on the line now uh, as well. Owen, you're in Dublin. I am indeed. How are you, Marie? Uh, uh, good. Good to talk to you, Owen. Is this something that you have struggled with too? Uh, I have in later life. Um, an eating disorder came into my life I suppose a little bit later than what most people would expect. Um, I was aged 36 oh, okay. uh, when I developed orthorexia, which then uh, transformed into anorexia. And can you just um, explain what orthorexia is? Because I, I believe that that is almost like what we talk about the wellness culture. It is being very clean eating and over exercising. It is. It's, it's, it's an obsessiveness um, and a, a complete preoccupation with the provenance of your food, the purity of your food, um, knowing that it is, in inverted commas, the best food that you could be putting into yourself okay. um, because you want to be, again, in inverted commas, as healthy as you can be. And I use all those words in, in the sense of maybe how I used to believe in them, but how I now realize that, you know, they're not necessarily the, the best words we can be using. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was very much around the idea that I, at that point in my life, for various different reasons, had, uh, the way I described it, fallen off a cliff uh, mentally and believed that I had no place in this world. I, I was valueless, I was worthless um, and just didn't didn't fit in with anyone around me as such. Um, and the way that I was going to change that was by going on this healthy journey, healthy eating kick, if you want to describe it as that. And a little bit like what Lisa was saying there at the beginning, you know, it, it started small and it started, it was great for about a month. I was really loving life. I was loving this new, you know, new journey of exploring new recipes and new foods and, and you know, all that kind of thing. But it turned dark very, very quickly and it became obsessive. It became something that I thought about morning, noon and night from my waking moment to my sleeping moment. You know, it it really was all I thought about. Um, down to the down to the point of view of it, I was worrying how pure water was. You know, it became that obsessive. My goodness, um, that is it, I, very, very, very difficult for, for and, all of you to live with that. It was interesting what Lisa was saying there about the idea of hoarding food, you know, because that's something else that happened or happened with me was 
you would walk into my apartment and you would see food falling out of the presses. And the reason it was falling out of the presses was because I was able to say to myself, well, I have control over what I'm eating now. If it's in the press, I haven't eaten it, so I'm doing good. You know, that's the the mentality that you get into. And of course, as a result of all of that, um, my body mass starts to drop. Um, And I use the phrase body mass there because I think weight has has other connotations that people, you know, may not quite um, see the, the... I suppose the the weight, if you want to part the pump yes, behind, behind yes, the frame. Behind it, yeah. um, so I use use the phrase body mass. And I saw my body mass start to drop, and of course that then was a figure that I thought, well, I'm finally doing something good here. I can actually objectively see a number that equates to how good I'm doing. And so that's then when it turned into anorexia. So it became very much from just the obsessiveness around the purity of the food and the obsessiveness around, you know, what I was putting into myself to then becoming a restrictive um, a restrictive disorder where basically I just didn't eat anything as such um, and became a skeleton of myself both physically and mentally. And, um, so and, and, and very quickly, Owen, before we wrap this up, how are you now? Yeah. Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I Good. am four Good. years on and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. Well, that's really, really good to hear. I want to say thanks to you, Owen, to Lisa, to Michal and to Jess for sharing their very personal story with us this afternoon on Lunchtime Live. If these issues have affected you at all and you'd like to talk to someone, then you can contact BodyWise and the Wise is W-H-Y-S on 0121097906. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.